Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Realm presents Roanoke Falls, Episode 2. There are three gashes across Daniel's face. Each time I wipe the blood away, it springs up fresh. Daniel winces. His bedsheets are ruined. It hurts. Have courage, Daniel. Let my wife clean you up. Daniel's wife, Mercy, should be the one tending to his wounds. Instead, she cringes in the corner. It's coming. Evil is coming. Minister, we need to go back home. Make the governor send for help. Before winter. There's no need for that. The governor thinks maybe you mistook a tribesman for... It wasn't a native person who attacked me. He spoke our language, knew our scripture. He wore wool, stinking black wool. It's all right, Daniel. Try to stay calm. We'll catch this man. What else can you tell us? It was horrible, Mistress Blair. He had claws for hands. No skin. His head was a skull. No more of this. You're speaking like a pagan. But it's... it's true. When I was lost in the woods, I prayed for guidance. That's exactly when he attacked when I was on my knees praying. God didn't help. Hush. You will think clearly again once you've recovered. I won't recover. The devils mocked me. We're cursed. Evil is coming. Mercy, mind your tongue. We'll not stay here and listen to this blasphemy. Agnes, come. But the cuts. Mercy will see to them. We must go. Thomas seizes my arm and pulls me with him. He can't get out of the house fast enough. Perhaps we should go to the governor. 
He has a relationship with the Croatoan. They could lend us the medicine Daniel needs. I will not go to a tribesman for a cure that Faith will supply. He's in pain. The Croatoan know this land, and they've helped us before when we were starving upon our arrival. Daniel's soul is in peril. It's our duty to set him back on the right path. But you saw the wounds, husband. Something attacked him. An animal, maybe. Not a demon made of bones. We must go home and pray for his soul. But Daniel's description sounded familiar, like the monster Hannah wrote of in The Lost Settlement. I clutch my pouch of beads. As you say, husband. I'll do as he says. I'll kneel and pray, go promptly to bed. Thomas will soon be asleep, secure in his faith that everything is fine. And while he snores, I'll read the rest of Hannah's book. The first Roanoke colony, two years earlier. I heaved Samuel's body into the grave. It took me hours to dig, but I'd wanted the distraction. While I shoveled, I could forget the way my brother screamed and foamed at the mouth as the sickness took him. I am so sorry. So sorry. I wish you were still here. I don't want to be alone. Hello? Where is your god now? Who said that? I raised my spade like a weapon. As I watched, a shape peeled from behind the tree trunk. It was him. The beast murdering the settlement. He had the body of a man, dressed in black like a preacher, but his head... It was made of bone with a long, wolfish snout. What are you? Something your god didn't create. I couldn't beat this monster with a spade. I turned and ran for the settlement. They'd banished us, but we weren't miles away. If I could only run fast enough, if I could reach it... It's here! It's here! Save yourselves! Figures crowded at the fringe of the woods. Men holding muskets. Shoot it! Quickly! It's the devil! Get back! You've got the sickness! You're not coming in! Please! Samuel's dead now! The beast that killed Robert and Anne! I saw it! You can't leave me out here alone with this... thing! I said get back! You've got to stay in the woods! You monsters! You're sacrificing me to the devil himself! We'll pray for you, Hannah. That's all we can do. Go, get away with you! May God forgive you. I never will. And you can keep your hypocritical prayers. I don't want them. Slowly, I stepped back into the woods. The creature was nowhere to be seen. For the moment. But I still wished I hadn't spoken so rashly. I needed every prayer I could get. I wake with a start. I'm still by the fire with Hannah's diary spread open in my lap. It's turned to the last page. There's no writing, only a copper crust of blood. No. Oh, God. Help! Somebody help! 
I hide the journal in the empty cauldron and dash outside. Mistress Blair, thank God you're here. James Worthing, the blacksmith, clutches at my arms. Fetch the minister. Fetch him quickly. No one should see her like this. Well, what's happened? Show me, what is it? I break free of his grip and see straight to the center of our colony. Prudence. She's nailed to the stockard. Her tiny arms spread like wings. A rusty stain blooms just beneath her ribs. She's been caught there. They've, they've crucified her. That's what I thought at first. But there's, there's no blood running from the nails. She's been moved. She was dead long before she was put up here. I forced myself to look. He's right. Prudence's body looks like it's been dragged through the forest. There are twigs in her hair. Mud plasters her boots. Her feet are crossed at the ankle. She's been posed. Why? Why didn't Prudence listen to me when I told her to stay out of the forest? What's that in her hand? James steps forward, throat working, as he tries not to look at Prudence's face. It's part of a book, but I can't read. I steal to his side. A woodland scent rises from Prudence's body. Earth and rotting leaves. It's part of the baptism service from the Book of Common Prayer. These children have promised by you to forsake the devil and all his works to believe in God and to serve him. Who would do this? The printed words before me seem to turn into Hannah's scrawl. It wasn't a human that attacked the last settlement. I'll get Thomas. He should be the one to break the news to her father. Do you think you can take her down from there? Yes, I I can do it. Thank you. I don't want her to become a spectacle. Of course. Agnes! Agnes, what on earth are you doing? Thomas strides towards us. He whips the cloak from his shoulders and thrusts it at me. You're not even dressed. You're trying to shame me before the whole... God have mercy. The poor child. His shouting has woken the colony. Shocked faces appear in the doorways, staring at me, then Prudence, then back again. I pull the cloak tight around my chest. James removes his hat. Uh, Please, everyone, go back indoors. This is a tragedy. Please just stay safely inside until... Zachary stands in his doorway. It's a second before he recognises his youngest daughter nailed to the fence. Prudence! Prudence! No! No, my daughter, no, please! Please, no! Prudence! Thomas and I sit across from each other in numb silence. My hands are clasped as if in prayer, but really, I have the beads pressed between my palms. They feel like the only solid things left. I turn over the grey one, grey for regret. I should have told people about the shack and Hannah's journal from the start. I thought now was the right time to finally share what I found with Thomas. But as he reads the last page of the journal, he pushes it away. These are the ramblings of a sick woman. It means nothing. But it matches Daniel's description exactly. And Prudence told me there was a shadow following her in the woods. 
I came here to seek pure religion, free from superstition like this. I wanted our children to grow up in a godly land. But Thomas, we have to face reality. This isn't our land. Maybe our God can't find us here. Of course he can. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have shouted. You must understand, I'm under a lot of strain. Zachary and his wife are beside themselves with grief. They need answers and justice. We must find out what happened to Prudence and make sure it doesn't happen again. No, wife. What they need are prayers and God's strength. The rest is for the governor to resolve. Your meddling only adds to my burdens. I can't keep running after you because you've left the house in your nightgown or slaughtered a goat. Oh, Thomas, I've forgotten about the goat. I never collected our meat from Caleb Jeffers. Then do that. Start on the cooking and get rid of this blasphemous book. I bite my lip. Hannah may be dead, but her voice is the only one I've been able to connect with since we left England. And it's the only clue to what happened to Prudence. I won't destroy it. I hook the pouch of beads back onto my girdle. As you wish, husband. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Work goes on in the settlement. It must if we're to survive. People keep their heads down and don't talk. The carpenters are making a tiny coffin. I have to look away. Only something truly evil could kill and mutilate a child. My father used to tell me legends of the sea from his merchant travels. He told me that there were some waters that you shouldn't sail. Monsters that we couldn't imagine lurked there. Maybe there's one in Roanoke too. And it doesn't want us here. The butcher's hut comes into view. Obedience Jeffers hurries from her husband's shop, eyes swollen from weeping. Oh, oh, Mistress Blair. What are you doing here? Collecting meat, Mistress Jeffers. Where were you heading? Do you need me to run an errand for you? I don't like obedience, but she's just lost her little sister. She clutches her sleeping baby closer. No, I'm going to sit with my mother. She shouldn't have to face this grief alone, especially while she's sick. No parent should ever lose their child. She pushes past me and strides off into the rain. I walk into the shop. Caleb works with his back to me. A deer's rib cage hangs behind him and a bucket of raw meat steams at his feet. I've hardly eaten for days, but after seeing Prudence, the smell turns my stomach. Good man, Jeffers. Oh, it's you. Take your food and get out. He picks up a package and throws it at me. The parcel's slippery, but I catch it. Blood seeps through the paper onto my hands. Caleb's never spoken to me so roughly before, but he's grieving for his sister-in-law. I'll leave him well alone. <clears throat> the 
parcel of meat flies from my grip. I'm sorry, I didn't see you. It's Zachary. I can feel hatred pouring off him in waves. I know what you did. I grip my pouch of beads. I beg your pardon? I know what you did. You might have Thomas fooled, but I've known what you were from the start. My hand rummages for the red bead. Zachary, you're not making sense. Let me pass. I take a step back, but he moves too, wrenching my fingers from the pouch. It rips like a wound. My precious beads tumble and roll in the dirt. Zachary twists my hand tight. Those pagan charms won't save you now. His breath reeks of ale. His hand squeezes my arm. Let go of me. I've done nothing, Zachary. I watched you, taking my girl off into the woods, whispering your spells over her. Prudence wanted to go Don't off. you dare speak her name! You summoned this evil here, you courted it, and now my daughter is dead! That's enough! Listen to yourself. You say you're devout, but you're assaulting and slandering the minister's wife. Wait until Thomas hears of this. He Thomas will... is bewitched. That's why you can't give him a child of his own. You're too busy giving suck to the devil. My free hand clenches in a fist. I can see the red beak gleaming in the dirt. Rouge, pour les What? What have you done? Is that a curse? Hey, release her. James Worthing appears from the forge, wearing his leather apron. Mind your own business, blacksmith. Don't you have horses to shoe? I do, but I can't leave while you're hurting this lady. Lady? Perhaps it's a misunderstanding. In a time of grief, maybe you made a mistake and started an argument over nothing, sir. Why don't you get back to your family? We'll say no more about this. Zachary looks James up and down, taking in his strength. Looks like she's worked her spells on you two. Don't think you've heard the last of this, wench. The time will come to pay your dues, one way or another. I wish the devil hadn't taken prudence. He should have gone for Zachary instead. Zachary drops my hand. He steps on my pink bead, grinding it with his heel and storms away. I stoop to gather my beads. The pink one Zachary crushed is ruined. Pink for joy. I haven't used that one in a long time. James bends to help me. Are you all right? Yes, I think so. Just a little shaken. Thank you for making him go away. Our fingers meet reaching for the same bead. I turn my head to see the meat parcel spread open in the middle of the street. Crows swoop around it, pecking at chunks of goat. Get away from that! I can't use this now! It's filthy. Why don't you step inside the forge, Mistress Blair? Take a mug of small ale. It will settle you. I imagine explaining to Thomas why there's no meat. I can't do it. Not yet. I suppose a few minutes won't hurt. The forge is warm inside, heated by the blaze of a large furnace. The tools of James's trade are scattered around. An anvil, bellows, a grindstone, chisels, and hammers of every size. I'm sorry about the mess. I'm not used to receiving guests. Please don't worry. That ale looks delicious. Did you brew it? Uh, I tried. It's not much, but it should help steady your nerves. Thank you. 
He nods at the beads clutched in my hand. Those are too pretty to be left rolling about. Let me see what metal chains I have here. We can string them for you to wear around your neck. No! Oh, I'm sorry. It's just that my husband is strict. He, he wouldn't like it. He says godly women don't wear jewellery. I don't mention that Thomas didn't want these beads inside our house. He believes I've sold them and given the money to the poor, as he told me to do when we wed. James takes the beads from me. His skin is rough, but pleasantly warm. Well, a chain will hold them all together. You don't have to wear them. Huh. I've never seen anything like these before. Where did you get them? I feel the truth on my lips, but pull back. I don't truly know him. It doesn't matter. They're mine. He grins. Fair enough. Everyone must have their secrets. How different he is from Thomas. I wonder if he made his own wife jewellery while she was alive. If he listened to her when she tried to warn him of danger. I sip the ale while he threads my beads onto a thin chain. I'll pay you for that. No, you won't. I have no use for it. But I must give you something. My father was a merchant. I know the value of goods. Metal is expensive. The beads, uh, my father brought them back for me from one of his trips. I don't tell him what my mother taught me to do with them, though. He grins. There's a hint of mischief in him. Well then, how about you work off your debt? Whatever do you mean? James passes me the necklace and goes to the furnace. He uses the tongs to take a slab of glowing iron from the flames. Grab me that hammer there, to your right. Now swing down and pound this iron. Go on, what are you afraid of? <coughs> That's it, good. Now try again, harder this time. <coughs> Do you feel better? Imagine it's Zachary. <laughs> I used to make Catherine do this when she was angry. It helped her. Catherine, his wife. I can only vaguely remember her face. We barely spoke, but I just got the sense she was kind, just like James. Her death on the ship feels so long ago. Poor Catherine. You must miss her terribly. Yes. I knew her for a long time. We grew up together. She was almost like a sister to me. It's a strange thing to say about his wife, but I can't judge him. Every marriage has its intricacies. I, I suppose Thomas is a bit like a father to me. He was my father's friend, so he's older. He seems to want different things. <sighs> Catherine never got the life she wanted either. She was so excited about starting over here, but she didn't even live to see this place. This voyage was doomed from the start. We shouldn't have come to Roanoke. My mother left her country and started again, and I thought maybe I could too, but I hate it here. Don't you want to go home? This is our home now, Mistress Blair. I'm sorry to tell you, but we won't set foot in England again. The metal's cooling. James uses the tongs to place it back in the furnace. After what happened to Prudence, I can't think of this place as home. There's something very, very wrong here. That pose. It, it was like the crucifixion. In the page of a prayer book nailed to her hand. Oh, I should tell Thomas to search through the books of his congregation. See if anyone has a page missing from theirs. Yes. But I don't think the culprit will be found at church. 
A religious person wouldn't set out to murder a child from a devout family, would they? It's not like the Greenaways are heretics. Prudence told me she had a friend in the forest who watched her. It wasn't a child's imagination. I felt something there too. Something bad. Though it's possible that was a person, isn't it? Monsters come in human forms too. I think of Zachary's face, contorted in rage. It's not just what Prudence said. It's what she showed me. I tell him about the shack and Hannah's book. He frowns. It was written by a woman. I didn't think there were any women in the last colony. Maybe there's no record of Hannah. She was hardly inside the settlement after all. She wrote about a devil, just like the one Daniel saw. It must have killed her. The last page is all blood. Where exactly in the woods was the book? Could you find the spot again? I think so, but I can hardly go back there and look around on my own, can I? It's far too dangerous. His eyes meet mine. Something passes between us. When you go, I'll go with you. Thomas's expression is pinched as he leads me across the settlement, a torch flickering in his hand. Mist steals up to the edge of the forest. The trees are dark, tortured shapes. We must resolve this now. I won't have ill will arise between us and the Gildaway family. Can't we wait until the morning, Thomas? It's not safe to walk out here. God will guard us once you apologize to Zachary. Apologize? What for? He's the one who attacked me. Maybe so, but we must extend the olive branch. When he's calmed down, I'm sure he'll beg your pardon too. He won't. We're exposed out here. I keep seeing Prudence hanging like a lifeless doe, the wash of blood on Hannah's journal. I press a hand to my throat, feel the new necklace move beneath my collar. Orange pour le courage, marron pour les militaires. What was that? Nothing, husband. <laughs> I heard you speak. I was reciting a prayer. It was private. A husband and a wife should always pray together. As you say. I turn my face away. Two pinpricks of red light glow at the edge of the woods. Something is watching us. Do you hear that? It must have happened. Mistress Dare must have given birth. The first child born in this land. And it's not ours. No. That's not it. Agnes, stop. Where are you going? It's pitch black without Thomas's torch. My feet stumble in the puddles left from the rain. Agnes, come back. There's a smell. Not the usual scent of the pines. It's like... <sighs> coins. A dark mound rises up ahead. I slow down trying to see. That's when I realize the puddles lapping at my feet aren't cold anymore. They're warm. Thomas catches up. His torch illuminates my toes, the hem of my skirt. They're all red. A body sprawls across our path. It's still pulsing, gushing blood in time to the baby's screams. Thomas lurches forward to help, but it's too late. Ruby's bubble from Zachary's lips. He's been sliced like Prudence, below the ribs. This gash is much wider. Viscera spill out and steam in the cold air. Nails pin Zachary's palms to the ground. Agnes, Agnes, come and help me. I lean down and wrench a piece of paper sodden with blood from Zachary's right hand. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. Agnes, staunch the wound. But 
Thomas, where's the baby? The woman is crouched so low that I didn't see her at first. She grovels on her knees, curled in upon herself. Obedience? Is that you? Oh, she raises her head. My baby. Please help my baby. I take Eli. He's slippery like a newborn, thrashing in my hands. Blood runs from a cut on his forehead. Two gashes intersecting. The devil was here. And he's marked Eli with an inverted cross. My son, he's cursed. Created and produced by Realm. Your portal to another world. Listen away. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Roanoke Falls is written by Laura Purcell, produced by Nicole Otto and Haley Wagreich, and executive produced by John Carpenter, Sandy King Carpenter, and Molly Barton. Performed by India Dupre, Eric T.D., Anthony Garland, Theo Devaney, Jack Hawkins, Stella Balik Carr, Jess Nahikian, Callie Shatara, Kyle McCarley, Craig Robert Young, Caroline Bloom. Audio production and direction by Kaylin West. Sound design by Fred Greenhalge and Rory O'Shea. Additional editing by Corey Barton. Original music by Hashem Asadullahi. With orchestration by Andrew Rowan. Featuring performances by Kevin Devine, Alba Ponce de Leon, Max Kuttner, Carl McComas Reichel, and Peter Brandler. Cover art by Kindle Thomas. Mm-hmm.